welcome back to the Entrepreneurial Wealth Manager Podcast, where we interview successful wealth managers and coaches or gurus uh, to learn about their journey, the obstacles they've overcome, and how you can model their approach to build your wealth management business. My name's Scott Solari again, and I'm excited to have an amazing guest, um, Susan uh, Rowan. Susan is a uh, just a fantastic person, so sweet, and um, she's a professional keynote speaker, international best-selling author of How to Work a Room. Some of you may have read that. It's the 28th anniversary coming up. Um, some of Susan's clients uh, include uh, United Health Group, Kraft Foods, Intel, U.S. Navy, Coca-Cola, Oracle, Boeing, Deloitte, PricewaterhouseCoopers, Lockheed, Yale, Stanford. I mean, the list goes on and on. She's hired to uh, present the financial advisors on networking uh, techniques and how to speak with high net worth individuals. Um, she has uh, techniques and strategies that you need to connect and communicate um, in today's global business world. And uh, she's a native Chicagoan. And um, she just has been doing this type of business building and networking and uh, and helping advisors really get out of their shell and, and know how to not only mingle but, but socialize and um, build relationships. So today on the podcast, I, I interview Susan. You're going to learn exactly the best techniques on how to build new relationships to build your business. So stay tuned and... Uh, I hope you enjoy the interview and we'll catch you on the back end. Hey everyone, Scott Solari and welcome back to the Entrepreneurial uh, Wealth Manager podcast where we interview the best of the best, the smartest and brightest to you know help you build your business. And I'm so excited to have uh, Susan Roan on uh, the, the show today and, and to uh, speak with us and our audience so that you can get an amazing grasp on you know, really how to build relationships and build your business. So Susan, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, it is really my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. So tell me, um, I, you know, I want to start a little bit about your background so the audience can get, kind of get to know you and where your expertise is. So, so maybe fill in the audience about, you know, how you help and um, have, you know, built your own consulting business and how you help people, um, you know, build their business. Well, I think the thing that my most famous claim to fame is I wrote How to Work a Room, which has sold over 1.2 million books. And so I have turned people into mingling mavens. And to be honest with you, this is kind of cool because in November, this book is going to be 28 years old. And now we're on the fourth edition and it's worldwide in different countries. But over how many decades have people said, oh my goodness, I was shy. And then I read your book. So I really feel that even though I spent 13 years as a public school teacher and taught everyone how to write and identify nouns and pronouns, and that might be one of my legacies, the real one is I've given people strategies to meet people, connect with people, stay in touch with people, and build relationships. Most importantly, to overcome that fear of walking into that room full of strangers, whatever that room is. And by the way, Scott, this could be from you know CEOs to firefighters to whomever, and that's what I do. 
Yeah. And, and it's so amazing because it's so, it's simple yet difficult, if that makes sense. Right. So like, I, you know, and, and what I found Susan is, you know, just in all of my years in business so far is that it all goes back to building relationships and, and knowing how to communicate with people. Right. And so, you know, give us a little insight on some of the lessons maybe that, that your book teaches or that you teach on how you, you know, work a room. Um, and I know we were talking about the term networking, but you know, maybe go into some of the, some of the strategies that you, you teach people. Well, first of all, I'm glad you said them separately because there are a lot of people that assume that working a room is networking. No, it's socializing. No, it's circulating. No, it's mingling. Hopefully, it's always having a good time. Networking is the follow-up. What do we do after we've met the person that solidifies the relationship. And what I want to say to all our listeners is the relationships you build both for business and personal rarely happen overnight. They happen over time. And a good relationship is worth like the beautiful flower in your garden, tending to it. Listen to me, I never even grew anything that didn't die. Um, but <laughs> no, I mean, I thought I'd use my gardening, <laughs> my gardening metaphor. But the first thing to know is that 90% of us, according to statistics from the Stanford China's clinic, identify as shy. We may not think they're shy. They think they're shy. So for that person walking into a room full of people, it's tough. And now we have a new uh, enlarged community of about, I think they think it's about 40% of American adults who now are self-identifying as introverts. You add that in the mix, and not all shy people are introverts and vice versa. It's very hard for people, and yet we get invited. Scott, we're invited to the our professional association. We get invited to a summit. We get invited and actually have to show up sometimes at family events, but even, you know, like your neighbor's daughter's wedding, you know, it's also personal. And the thing about business is if you go just to networking events to network, you're missing the boat. Mm. Oh, that's my cruise line metaphor. No, <laughs> what do you mean uh, by that? Explain because that. the world is your oyster. If you say, well, I'm going to go to a networking event, and yet you're standing in line at the grocery store, and by the way, some of you who order all your food online, some of us still go to the grocery store, or the bank, or the movie theater, or the football game, if you're standing in line, talk to people around you. It's not, I'm not there to network and get you to sign a big deal, but you talk because you have something in common because you're standing in that same line. You may find that the person who's standing in line to get into the gates to the Giants game or the Padres game or the Jets game or, well, not the 49ers uh, yet, but anyway, um, notice how I threw in a little dig. Um, those people you have something in common with. So don't think I am only going to network when I go to a networking event because networking is really nothing more than, and I'll define it from my mentor, it's a mutually beneficial process by which we share ideas, information, leads, and if we're lucky, laughter, and definitely support. And it benefits our personal lives and our professional lives. But you notice, oh, and it's reciprocal. That's the other thing about it I learned is that it's reciprocal. 
of course, I'm from Chicago. And if you don't reciprocate, you make a payment and it's not a pleasant one. So the smart savvy networker always knows who and what they owe and remembers to pay back. I like that. Um, so kind of stepping back for a second, if I'm someone that is a little shy, let's say, or maybe a little introverted or isn't used to this process, but you know, I have my own business, I'm an entrepreneur, um, but I'm not necessarily good working a room, right? Um, I've found that I'm pretty comfortable going to talk to any stranger. Okay. Uh, but that's unique. I think for a lot, a lot of people, right? So when, when, and I, and I found that out just working with other, you know, uh, employees of mine and, and how, and seeing them kind of struggle of trying to go talk to someone they don't know. Now, someone, let's say someone comes in, it's a, it's a happy hour. It's an event before a conference, maybe the night before or something, there's a hundred people there and you want to, these are potential prospects and you want to get to, to know some of them. I found the easiest way is to, you know, identify that someone that you know that can introduce you, but let's say you don't know anyone in this, in this place. What, how do you start? What's your approach? Well, you don't start when you walk in the room, you start preparing before. So ah. let me give our audience a couple of tips. The first thing you do is make sure you have your own planned self-introduction. Unlike you saying wonderful things about me, you walk into that room and you don't know anyone, no one's introducing you around. Right. So, but if you know how you want to introduce yourself, um, you have a leg up. I'll give you the three parts of the uh, Rowan self-introduction. First, nice. So listen up, audience. Yes. Write oh, this yeah. down. Write this down. I was just going to say, write this down. The quiz is tomorrow. Um, but these are the three points. And you won't hear this from other people. But the first one is, this isn't a 30-second elevator pitch, which you shouldn't even give in an elevator because no one got in that little room to hear you talk. But this is seven to nine seconds. It's a pleasantry. It's, oh, hey, Scott, I, I'm reading your name tag. Just say, what brought you here? Oh, hey, did you find a parking space very quickly? It sounds like it's small talk, but if you will have your own introduction, it's not like you go up to someone and say, well, I'm Susan Rowe and I'm the author of, I'm a great speaker. Sometimes you start with the off the cuff comment, the impromptu comment, and then you introduce yourself, but plan that introduction. It's seven to nine seconds. It is keyed to the event. I'm not introducing myself at an a conference of speakers the same way I'm introducing myself at um, the Chamber of Commerce. It's a little different. You make and customize your self-introduction because that way you're helping the person there have context for why you're there. And then the third aspect is, and I learned this from my friend Patricia Fripp, executive speech coach, is that instead of giving your title, give the benefit of what you do. Like, hey, you know, Scott, you help entrepreneurs grow their business. Um, I turn people into mingling mavens. But if you give your title, that's very dry. But if you yeah. could say something that someone else can ask you a question and say, hey, well, what does that exactly mean? They think they've started the conversation with you, and then you're in a duologue. Right. I love it. And I love how you, you, you know, you started by leading kind of with questions. 
as well, rather than just making, um, you know, statements essentially. Right. I, I feel like it's always easier to, to get into a conversation if you're asking someone questions. Right. But now I'm going to do, this is a little different than most people. Conversation isn't, and I know a lot of people that talk about it, and it was Dale Carnegie that said, just ask people a lot of questions, get them to talk about themselves, their favorite subject. Here's what I would say to that. Don't do that. A conversation has three aspects. You do have to give observations. You do reveal a little bit about yourself and you ask questions. So there are three parts to conversation. Mm -hmm. So don't just think I'm going to, and I know someone that does that. They literally ask 20 questions to someone, poor, uh, unsuspecting person standing going, oh, my God, you know, what do you want this for? You know, is it, am I being interrogated? And the answer is yes. So have some questions, have some observations. How you make conversation is you know what's going on in the industry, in the profession, in your town, in the country, in the world. Yeah. You know what movies are showing, what teams are winning. You know, good gosh, we have been bombarded with earthquakes and hurricanes and globally things are happening and people are rising to the occasion. Start with making a kind observation of how people are helping people. That's what you do. You, if, if you read, read a content curator, read a paper, read whatever you think will inform you, but you'll feel more confident if you're informed. There was something that happened recently, and I mentioned it to someone who said, oh, I'm unaware of that. And my mouth dropped open because I bit my tongue from saying, is there a planet you've been on that I don't know about? It's all over the news. So don't believe the people that say, oh, I don't listen to the news. It's depressing. You should know what's going on. That's called being informed. Mm. God, I like it. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think, I think uh, questions play a role, you know, relating, talking about what you know, and, and, um, you know, just being able to have a normal conversation with someone. I don't, I don't know how else to put it, but it's, you know, you give and take, right? You ask questions and you also give answers and you give information. You, you, you build that relationship by, you know, communicating in the right way and being tra transparent, genuine, authentic. And I, I love that. So, um, so, you know, our audience is mostly wealth managers, um, right? So, Let's kind of get a little specific with them. As a as a wealth manager, a lot of them may I don't like to generalize, but their expertise could be in investing and helping people invest in assets or 401k, whatever the whatever they're they're working on, right? Specifically, may not be in building their business. So, what are some good practices you feel like for for someone that's trying to really build, let's say, their portfolio or just getting the right connections or building the right relationships, let's say, let's rephrase that, uh, to, to build their business. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I've been asked to speak to a couple of companies and banks to their wealth management people because one of the things is you're dealing with really wealthy people. Right. And I remember I was speaking in um, Miami. Well, the people at this wealth management division at the bank, how do we talk to the rich people? Well, they were doing like an art opening. And the thing is, how about talking about the art? You're standing at art opening. So that's where you 
kind of do a little bit of study ahead of time. Where are you with these people? Um, I did something with Citibank uh, that funded the Disney Hall, and they did a big event. I flew back down there for it at the Disney Hall, and they had a, well, these are people interested in music, in symphony. So you talk about what they're interested in. Um, And let's remember, in these days, we all want information from wealth managers. I, I know I do. So I think the first thing is to value what you know and know that that's a really important piece that a lot of people that you're going to encounter will be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, if they have a lot of money, let me tell you what I found with the people who are on the A-list that had a lot of money, they were some of the nicest people because they didn't have to be snooty. They already had money. The people that I found that weren't as nice were the wannabe A-list people. They were a right. little snootier. But what you want to know is just treat people like people. This is the one thing I say in my talks and I wrote in my books. If we go to any event, no matter what it is, or enter any room, and we treat people like they are prospects, that's very off-putting. Right. But if we can just get to that natural, like you say, you know, transparent, treat people like people, they still have kids, they have pets, they have in-laws, they went to school, they have alma maters, they support local charities. Find out what they do. Here's a great question. Rather than what do you do, what you might say is what do you do in your spare time or when someone asks you what you do, you may give them that answer, but then in saying, what do you do? Turn it around and say, and how about you? What I love about how about you is someone might really want, want to talk about their job, but they love the work they do. Like a friend of mine is a volunteer for the suicide prevention. She doesn't talk about what she does, but she talks about her work in suicide prevention. It's interesting to her, it was interesting to me. So give people a chance to talk about what they like by saying, how about you? What do you do in your spare time? What do you do when you're not you know, going to an event like this? <laughs> I love that. That's great. And I love how you're, if, if you're, if the audience right now, if you guys are listening, this, there's like two or three times that Susan's mentioned preparing yourself to go to, into a social setting, um, understanding like, the, the context of the setting, like whether it's an art, you know, gallery or where, wherever the, the conference is or what the, you know, what, what is this conference or this thing that this event that you're at about? So you have some, that's the commonality. Um, so if you can prepare yourself and have some knowledge about that going in and that's going to help you, you know, build relationships and talk to people as well. So I think that's, um, I think that's unique and that's, that's common because a lot of people just show up because they're invited, you know, and that doesn't put you in a, in a position to really meet a lot of people if you're, if you're not, you know, necessarily mentally prepared. You know what? I love what you said because everyone quotes the Woody Allen line, 80% of life is showing up. But remember the 80, 20 rule, the other 20% is be prepared. It's (laughs) It's not just showing up. If you show up and stand in the corner of the room or talk to the one or two people you already know, why bother? But if you feel 
like you've gone online. And by the way, Scott, in this day and age, there is no excuse for not being prepared. You can Google, you can go to their website, go to people's LinkedIn. You, there is so much information out there that there's no reason to ever walk in to any room um, unprepared or ill-prepared. Yeah, that's true. So Susan, tell me a little bit what you're doing right now. Um, you know, like how, how are you, how are you growing as a person to help more business owners out there? Oh, when you first said, how are you growing as, your, as a person? I was going to say, I went to the M&M store and ate a quarter of a pound, but I don't think oh. you meant that kind of growing. I um, wish I could do that. I, I, I found out that I'm allergic to dairy, so I can't, oh, yeah, it's, br it's brutal. It's in everything. That's it good. is in everything. But it's I was in New York. I was in New York and like of all the fascinating places that I went, including Liberty, you know, Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island, the M&M store was great. And you just see what I just did and what we did. And this yeah. is what I want our listeners. I picked that beginning of the phrase and um, picked it out as growing. Yeah, I think I'm growing. I ate a lot of M&Ms. <laughs> and then you made your comment I'm a little, oh my gosh, how is that? That A little, la that's, the, as my grandmother would have said, the phone rang on the truth. Um, and I have a little lactose issue. I can't eat ice cream. But it started a segue. It started a connection. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's about lactose intolerant or chocolate or your favorite team. That's the start. So what I'm doing to grow is. And I, wait, before you go, yeah. I'm going to say, I think it's interesting too, because it is something that's t like relevant in my life right now. And so if you're paying attention, people bring up things that are, you know, that they're going through or that are happening in their life right then. It gives you an opportunity to talk about something that's maybe important to them at the moment, you know? And here's a hint I'm going to give you. I wrote this in my uh, conversation book. What do I say next? Oh, I think I'll plagiarize it and write it in my next book. It was so good. But here is what. Even if I'm not lactose intolerant, I've got two cousins and two friends that are. So what we want to do is borrow other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Like I never had children. So when someone's talking about their children, I can't compare that. But what I do is. You know, I borrow my friend's two-year-old. I borrow my friend's six-year-old. You know, I, I'm like the, I would say, I was going to say, I'm like the Auntie Susan, Auntie Bubby, Tante Susan, but I really am Auntie Mame. You know, that's what I figure. I'm like the ubiquitous auntie, except I don't have doilies on my couch. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if young people know what doilies are. I don't, but oh, it but sounds awesome. Look it up. Go Google it. That's <laughs> our new thing, what we say to people is Google it. But <laughs> it's, it's. The thing is, is if you borrow people's lives, I don't have pets, but I have a friend who's a Bashan person, a friend that's a lab person. I have a friend that's a, a, a golden retriever. In fact, two of my friends are golden retriever people, and I send them each other's pictures of their dogs and videos. That is weird, isn't that? But now they kind of feel that they know each other. So when you listen to what someone says, lactose intolerant i can tell you know i have stories about that too and like if it's important in someone's life and they reveal it maybe even as a sidebar when you are listening you pick that up and i'm saying listening again the key to conversation is not planning what to say next 
it's listening to what people say. And then you, if you're well read, if you have a lot of friends, if you listen to their stories, if you borrow their stories, how does that make you feel? What do you, what foods do you have to avoid? Are you allergic to, what are you exactly allergic to? Make the conversation relevant to people. Don't worry about your agenda. Your agenda comes later in the follow-up call or meeting or Skype or whatever you want to do. I love that. I think, I think that's, it's so important what you just said, which is listening because so many people want to talk about what they want to talk about and they're not actually listening to the other person and what they're saying. And that is the key to really connecting with someone. You listen to them, you respond, you get in a real conversation, you know? Right. And now I'm at the point in life when someone <laughs> will say something out of left field. I'm talking about how one actually eats an artichoke, which I'd never talk about. So that's just an example. And someone brings up the price of avocados. Uh, that pretty much is apples and oranges, except it's avocados and artichokes. So your best bet is listening. And then to segue, you can add a phrase in the middle of your sentence that if the person picks it up, you can go that direction. But to walk in to start saying, well, and I had a friend do this to me. I bought my beautiful uh, red Miata convertible. I was so excited. I told a friend, oh my gosh, I got my midlife crisis car. And oh, and it's red. And instead of saying, well, is it a stick shift? Which it is. He said, what do you think the price of four color brochures are? <laughs> I did the only thing I could about that horrible interruption and segue and getting my parade rained on. I tattled to his wife. Does he always do that to you? Found out he did for 25 years. Oh. Yeah. So really, if the smart person goes everywhere. And I learned this from my mentor. You go everywhere with a focus, but you don't go with an agenda so you could check off your list of goals. Because if you do, the, we can tell you have the word agenda emblazoned on your forehead because you misbehave. Yeah, body language. So back to before I interrupted you, you were going to tell us about uh, how you're growing, um, you know, but, personally yeah. to help business owners. Yes, well, what I'm doing is I, I, I do this. I blog about sometimes on LinkedIn and my own blog, but I also continue to post and I read voraciously. So what I do both on my Twitter account and on LinkedIn and Google Plus and on my Facebook business page and even on my Facebook, I guess, semi-personal page and Twitter, I am addicted to quit Twitter, but not for the reasons other people think. I learn a lot. The people mm -hmm. that I follow are smart people. They yeah. read things I might not know. So when I see an interesting URL, I'll think, okay, I don't get that paper. Let me see. I might not get that magazine. That's how I found a great article that I'll be quoting in my next book. S. Uh, Barry Kauf Scott Barry Kaufman was in Scientific American. I mean, that's not one that arrives in my home. Right. So that that's what I do is I, I really become a voracious reader and 
a sharer of information. And the reason is so many people say, oh, I don't know what to talk about. Okay, here's an article, read it. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I'd be, um, I, I will take a moment to be a little ethnic is, the other day I read the Wall Street Journal and it had a big article on like my traditional food, gefilte fish. Oh my goodness, it's, the, it's an acquired taste unless it's not acquired taste at all. <laughs> I put that out on Twitter and I put it on Facebook, which was some days Wall Street Journal makes me laugh, but the new, our new year starts. And this is like the traditional fish that our grandmothers made, but now it comes in a jar. And I shared that. Now there are some people that won't know what it is, but they'll know someone who does. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Scott just raised his hand. He doesn't know. And if you're lucky, you will never have to eat it. But it's a traditional dish. Yeah. Now. So wait, what's now, your Twitter handle? Susan? Oh, my Twitter channel is Susan Rowan. It's S-U-S-A-N-R-O-A-N-E. And I have a second one, How to Work a Room. Perfect. But what else I'm doing is I'm working on a new concept, a new speech, and a new book. Um, and it's based on the fact that very few people um, know how to follow up. They don't know what to do, or they're doing things that you look at them and go, really? You actually did that? You actually you, said that? Can you give a few examples of some of the things that you're going to be diving into in, in this new content that you're putting together? Yeah, it's really, how do you follow up to build the relationship? What do you do? What do you don't do? Here's one of my pet peeves. Don't leave people twisting in the winds. I kind of covered some of it in Secrets of Savvy Networking because Savvy Networkers, a brand that I created, are breed unto themselves. They know what to say. They know what to do. They know when to show up, what to wear when they show up. They know how to comport themselves. They know what not to say at a time when you're in grief. They know what to say to express condolences. They know what to say when you've been um, aced out of your job. And here's the other thing. They stay in touch. And this is the most important thing I've learned about the best networkers and the best people who know what to do is they stay in touch with people. And I'm going to give this, because I've said this in my talk about savvy networkers, and we're going to expand on it they stay in touch with people and this is how you're going to build your business relationships and your clientele and your practice when they need nothing right and if you listen to people and you hear they're lactose intolerant or their daughter got a concussion in soccer and you stay in touch hey how's that going how's your daughter doing how's your tummy feeling um how, how's the job going did you get that client it shows that you paid attention. And honestly, Scott, I was a school teacher. If I got paid a dollar for every time I say, said pay attention, I'd be retired because um, no one paid attention. But if you pay attention to people, you will begin that connection that builds a relationship. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And I agree with you. And then, then I guess my next question would be, you know, because I'm thinking about how I do that. How many people can you do that with without it 
being your full-time job. Okay. Well, here's the other thing. They've done this gentleman, and I, his name escapes me, in the UK said it's 150 people that you can stay in touch with. Um, and that's probably true, because they're, but they're different kinds of in touch. Right. Well, that, you know, that would be very specific. Like you're paying attention to what's happening in their lives. Right. And, and I can get into all about, you know, the way, you know, and I'll, people know that if I, the marketing company I work for, we specifically do video marketing for people to stay in touch with lots of people. Right. Uh, one to many type of marketing, but this is very specific, like where you're paying attention to their Facebook, their Twitter, maybe their Instagram, and you're like seeing what's happening in their lives. Right. Well, that's, and you just said why it's easy now to be in touch with a lot more people than we used to, because you check their Instagram, you're on Facebook, you see something that happened, you do a like, you write a comment, and by the way, likes aren't enough, but if something wonderful happens or something that you know you need to express yourself, the person that knows how to comport themselves and is in the know knows it's not enough to say, do a like when someone says they're you know, their father died. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, really? Uh, this is not a match. Um, you, you say something. Twitter is a conversation. Facebook is a conversation. LinkedIn is a conversation. This is where you congratulate people or you share something you know. Another thing is we are not attuned to how much value we have. We assume we only know what we know as part of our profession, but we forget we have a range of skills and knowledge. Mine may not include, you know, you'd never call me for a recipe, but by the way, if you wanted to get into the speaking business, yes, I'm the person you can hire to talk about that. You want to be a writer. You know, we just know more than we say, and we don't even honor how much we know. So I'm going to give everyone an assignment. Every time you hear someone compliment you on something you've done or said or fixed, write it down. And then go over those compliments. Oh, oh, I never thought of myself as being good at that. Because here's the thing. When something comes easy to us, we don't think it's a skill. We don't think it's a talent. And it is. I love that, Susan. I'm actually writing that down to do well you're going to pass the test tomorrow when i call you back yeah <laughs> um any parting words for our audience susan if, if they want to check you out i mean it's it's susan uh com, susanroan.com and then um backslash how to work a room as well and then they can find you on linkedin any can, any yeah any any parting words of wisdom for our audience yes just remember, 90% of the people are more uncomfortable than you because they haven't heard this. So you could have them send them the link to Scott, this podcast from Scott. Um, just remember, most people are nice. Most people want to help. And the best way to get someone to help you is these are these simple words. Would you mind helping me? Because very few people will say, yeah, I'm a jerk. I mind. They aren't going to say that. But it's be nice. Don't worry about who has the wealth because the person that you think has the wealth by the way they're dressed is a charlatan. And the person in the schlubby clothes may be worth millions. So don't judge people by the outside. Be nice to everyone because you never know. And that's my parting words of marketing from my grandmother. You never know.
and you can find me find me on my website but how about this if you have a burning question after listening to this and you need an answer or a solution 415-461-3915 you can actually call me well that is wonderful and I know our audience will appreciate being able to have access to you. So um, thank you so much, Susan, for, for being such a wonderful guest and taking the time out of your day to, to chat with me and to give your, your wisdom of all the knowledge that you have to our audience. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I've had a great time. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome back. Uh, I want to thank Susan Rowan again. Susan, you're the best. I had so much fun talking with you. Thank you. For, uh, taking the time out and if you were listening at the end there Susan did say if you have a burning question if you need help about a relationship issue or networking or just you know how to be better um, and be more transparent and personable and and uh, to connect with people you can reach out to her so she gave her phone number 415-461-3915 give Susan a call let her know you heard uh, about her on this podcast and um, hopefully she can help. And uh, for all of you out there, I appreciate it. This has been another episode of the Entrepreneurial Wealth Manager Podcast, and we'll see you next time.